So there's these questions that we all ask, big questions that have a huge impact on our lives. But there's all this information out there that makes finding the answers, well, difficult. So we came up with a way to give you the answers to those questions. We did a survey at Easter and compiled a list of your top asked questions. That list then became a roadmap for this sermon series. Each week, we'll examine a single question and discover God's clear answers based on His Word. We call this series, Ask Away. Come on, happy Sunday, Go Church family. You feel good today? You look great. Anybody thankful for Jesus? You're thankful to be alive? Come on. Love that. And what an honor it is to see all of you here at our South Metro Atlanta campus. Many of you know this, but if you're a guest of ours today or visiting with us for the first time, this is our broadcast campus, and we have the honor and the privilege to live stream our gatherings to all of the wonderful people that are a part of our online campus that literally reaches and meets people all around the globe. So we welcome everybody online today. Feel free to jump in the comment section. Let us know where you're watching from. We love to celebrate that. If you've got a prayer request, you have a need, just let us know. we got a great online campus team that will be able to pray with you and assist you. And then we also live stream the message portion of our gathering to our Germantown, Maryland campus, 700 miles from here in the greater Washington, D.C. area. So we welcome all of you as well. All right, everybody in-house, you got a big job. Can you put your hands together make some noise? Come on, let them hear you from the south. Welcome your online campus family. Come on, your Germantown campus family. Germantown, make some noise back. Germantown, come on. And uh, before we jump into the message, we got this weekly tradition, I love it, where we pause to give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and all of those courageous first responders. So we do a lot of clapping here at Go Church. We appreciate people. One of our values is all about honor. But when it comes to those that serve and sacrifice, putting their life on the line, I think they deserve the highest applause of appreciation and encouragement. So come on, church family, put your hands together. Bless those men and women. Come on, real loud. Come on, real proud. Five seconds here. Come on, thank you. Thank you for serving. And I know you heard this in the video announcement, so I'm going to do this really quick. But I want to make a personal invite to all of the men of Go Church and all of the friends of Go Church who are gentlemen to our first ever Man Up Conference Friday night, June the 11th, and then half day Saturday right to lunch on June the 12th. we got a great lineup. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous conference. I want you to come. I want you to be a part. It's the weekend right before Father's Day. So, you know, uh, families, this is a great investment uh, into your husband, into your father, into that man in your life. I know that they might be a little like, ah, I don't want to go, but I promise you it's going to be geared just for them have a great time, make some new friendships, throw some acts, eat some bacon. Come on, somebody. So it's going to be a race. Bacon all day, and it's going to be wonderful. So now, ladies, with the You Go Girl event that happened, come on, ladies. Where are you at, ladies? Awesome. Y'all packed the house a couple weeks ago, so it's our turn, guys. So I'm inviting you to come. You're, you're signing up at a little slower pace than the ladies, so make sure you jump online and uh, take advantage of that. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Again, so check out all the information online. I hope you can make it. You won't be disappointed. And then today, of course, uh, we're in the second week of a series that we do called Ask Away. This is an annual series at Easter, and you heard this in the bumper, uh, but you fill out questions on an Easter survey, and then we take all of those questions. Hundreds of questions came in. We take all those questions, and we compile them and collect the data, and we categorize them, and it's really a tremendous help. So this whole series, and one of the reasons it's a favorite for our church families, because you're driving the direction. You're, you're the ones that are submitting the questions. I'm not making these up. I'm not Googling these questions. You're, you're asking these questions. And so I'm excited to jump into week number two of that. And then, of course, today is a major day in the Christian church. Today's Pentecost Sunday. 
and here it go, church. Come on, we're crazy Pentecostals. Come on now, where are you at, church family? Come on. So, you know, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. A couple of weeks ago, we did a whole series on uh, the Holy Spirit called Spiritus Sanctus, which is Latin for the Holy Spirit. I'd encourage you, if you missed that series, go back online. You get five weeks of what we believe about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, about the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, what that means for Go Church. Being Spirit-filled Pentecostal for us doesn't mean that we're wild and weird. Come on, we don't do wild and weird, but we do worship. Come on now. And uh, we, we love to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we believe in the Spirit. And uh, the day of Pentecost is a celebration of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, so let me give you a little, little uh, historical context here. Uh, God sent his son Jesus to the earth. Uh, he would be the, he would pay the penalty of our sin on the cross at Calvary. They crucified him there. They buried him in a borrowed tomb. The Bible says that three days later, up from the grave he arose. Come on, aren't you glad you serve a God that's alive? So that's why we celebrate Easter, the, the resurrection of Jesus. After the resurrection of Jesus, the Bible teaches us that he walked this earth for 40 days. He made appearances to hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, people would be getting together for dinner and Jesus would just walk right through a wall. Come on now. And uh, showing himself, he would, you know, perform miracles, signs, and wonders. And then before his ascension to heaven, which is where Jesus is today, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for his people, he gathered the disciples together and he said, now... I want you to wait for the gift that you've heard me speak about, the gift that my Father has promised. What was he talking about? He was talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the disciples, they got together. The Bible says they got together in a Honda. That's what it says, uh, in one accord. Come on, somebody, that's funny. Got together in that Honda, one accord, and they begin to pray in unity, fast and pray in unity. And for 10 days, they sought the gift of the Spirit. And then the Bible says that on that day, that appeared to them tongues of fire. So Jesus resurrected body for 40 days. The disciple waited for 10 days. 40 plus 10 is 50. Pentecost is the Greek word for 50. Penta, 50. Do you see that? It just means power. And then Peter, Simon Peter, stands out on the balcony of that second story apartment building on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says in Acts that he preached a bold sermon. Over 3,000 people got saved that day. And then this is the important part. And Christ has been adding to the church ever since. So you and I, we're a part of that adding to the church ever since because of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. I think it's a great place just to pause. Give God the Father some thanks. Give God the Son. Come on. God the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let me pray for you today. I want, I want to pray. We're going to jump in to the Ask Away series, week number two, and a lot of this is all tied into the Spirit of God. But Father, I thank you. I feel your Spirit here. I've had uh, great emotion this whole week leading up to this moment because I believe this is going to be a day where you will change the trajectory of the lives of people. I pray that's for me, that you would change my life, God. I want to continue to grow and learn and mature in you. God, I need your anointing on my life. It is never my desire to preach to try to impress anybody. I will fail miserably. I'm not a very educated or smart man, but it is my desire that you would use somebody like me to impact the hearts of people through your word. But I can only do that if you anoint me. God, I have worked on the craft of public speaking, 
But God, I don't want to be a good public speaker. God, I want to be filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit where you would use me in such a way that lives are changed. God, I don't want to be a motivational speaker, although I want people to be motivated. But God, I, I want your word to penetrate to the hearts of sons and daughters, the people you created, so that when we leave here, we leave different, but with a better understanding of your grace and your mercy and your love. I just want to sing about your love, and I don't want to just preach about your love. I want us to experience your overwhelming, never-ending, reckless kind of love. So, God, I pray that this moment would be anointed. You know, I've been doing this long enough to know the enemy would love to steal these next 40 minutes. So I pray against distraction. Life is busy. Family's crazy. Come on. Work is all over the place. But this is a God moment. And so we dedicate it to you. And I pray that you would open our spiritual ears, our eyes, and our hearts. Every word out of my mouth, every beat of my heart, may it be acceptable before you, Jesus. So I honor you. I pray that our worship and our word today would bring you glory and would bring you honor. And you would be pleased with our worship in spirit and in truth. In the most powerful name we pray, the name that is above all names. Come on, somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. And the church said amen and amen. Come on, high praise to the King of Kings. Let's do that. Awesome. So we do this survey. You all filled that out. Hundreds of questions uh, this year, more than any other year, there was a particular theme of questions that was submitted around curiosity of the Bible. Very interesting to me that of all the years, there's this curiosity of Scripture and the validity of scripture and why we only use the Bible from, you know, the platform to teach from and how do we study and read the Bible. And as a matter of fact, of all of the questions that were submitted in the survey, uh, a little over 12% of those questions dealt specifically with scripture and the Bible. I can't give you all of those questions today because, again, that would be a lot. But let me show you a couple, and we're kind of lumping all of the conversation around these dozens of questions that came in. But, again, is there any evidence that supports the validity of the Bible. I'd like to talk to you about that today. Another question was, why do we only use the Bible uh, as our like teaching guide? Why not any other religious text? Uh, perhaps the Quran, or we'll talk about some others today. Why do we just use the Bible? And then, of course, this was kind of a constant question throughout. Now, how do I study the Bible? How do I apply this to my life? Uh, a couple of thoughts here. I don't know if I've ever, and as a full-time lead pastor, ever done a message in its entirety about the Bible. Um, so today might feel a little different because it's going to be a lot more teaching than preaching, um, although if the Spirit leads us in whatever direction, we'll go there. It's going to be a lot of humor today, and y'all know I'm real funny. Come on, somebody. A lot of humor today. Uh, but I have felt, and I said this a moment ago, but I felt this overwhelming emotion all week, this just sense of expectation about what God wants to do through us learning more about the importance of the canon of Scripture, the Bible. And the second thing is this, is that for those of you that submitted questions, and it could be a, about anything, but specifically today in our conversation about the Bible, like, God can handle your questions. I think you should know that. Um, and I need to say this in the introduction of every one of our messages, especially around Ask Away, but God's not frustrated at the questions you have. God, God's not irritated because you're like, hey, God, can I ask you a quick question? Uh, and even for us, and obviously we're not God, but I want you to know, like, we don't get 
these questions about the Bible and we laugh at them like, ah, they know nothing, you know, just a bunch of dumb people. No, like, like I'm proud that you would have enough boldness to say, like, I'm curious and I've, I've got questions. And so I just want to encourage you, I'm proud of you for all of the questions that you asked. As a matter of fact, I believe this. I believe that great questions can lead to great faith. You know, I, I think that, and I've got a long way to go, but I think that I have grown in my walk with Christ because I've not been intimidated to ask questions. The only bad question is the one you don't ask. Come on. So ask questions. We are all students of the word. And I'm not up here as your professor, and let me just teach you these things. You know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm a work in progress. But together we can grow, and we can learn uh, from one another and through God's scripture. So there are some misconceptions around the Bible. And this happens a lot. This happens for those who are skeptical of religion and faith and scripture. And then there's some misconceptions for those that are just jumping into this, into this faith journey. Some of those misconceptions, and I'm going to do my best today to try to debunk many of these, or if not all of these, but some people think the Bible's boring. If you just start reading the Bible, you're going to learn real quick that the Bible is not boring. I mean, if you, you start in the Old Testament, it's like the, it could be the greatest wartime movie of all time. Come on, like, there's nothing boring about the Bible. Some people say, well, the Bible, you know, we're in 2021, and we have evolved, and, you know, we're a different culture and a different society, so, you know, it's irrelevant or inaccurate or outdated. You know, I just, I'm going to show you today that the Bible is, is on time and spot on. I mean, written thousands of years ago, and yet still incredibly accurate for your situation, for your life, for our country, for our cultures. It's just a, a, a beautiful symphony of harmony and literature. And then some people think, well, the Bible is just a bunch of like, you know, rules, like do this and, and don't do that. And, and again, like if that's your approach to reading scripture, you're not going to get much from it. Um, but it's not just a book of rules of do's and don'ts. Now, let me give you, let me give you a verse here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I know I want to say this because if you're a skeptic, your response to me is like you can't you can't validate scripture by giving me scripture. Well, that's fair. As a matter of fact, I kind of agree with that. But I want to give you, and let me just say this. I love crying babies. I'm honest. Listen, you have nothing to worry about, sweetheart. God is the giver of life. There is breath in that baby's lungs. Come on, somebody. Thank God for that baby. Honestly, God bless you. And thank, thank God for mamas, too. Come on, mamas got to, I'm going to change my whole message. Mamas, I don't know how y'all do it. When Kimberly's sick, I tell her, you better get better fast, girl. We're dying out here. <laughs> Mamas can't get sick. Mamas never get a break. Come on, ladies. Come on, moms. Help me out. And thank God for that. Ten seconds. Pray for that mama right now, Jesus. Bless her. Touch her. Thank God for that baby. Let's talk a little bit about Scripture here. 2 Timothy 3.16. And, and I know what you're thinking. Those who are skeptical of the Bible. You know, you, you can't use a verse to validate Scripture. Okay, that's fair. But in order to have this conversation, you got to know where we come from. you got to know where we get our authority and where my position is. So I want you to see this and then, and then I'm about to blow your mind. Okay, we'll get to the history and all that, but I want you to see this because this is foundational to why we approach scripture the way that we do. All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now I'm going to show you this in the New American Standard Bible version or translation for what it's worth. And this is just you know, free for you to take. It's my favorite translation. If you're allowed to have a favorite translation, um, I find it a little bit easier for me to, to read, but I also feel like it still has some accuracy to 
the original translations, you know. And again, I think you need to find a translation that you feel comfortable with, especially on whatever spiritual level that you're on. But like, I think I'm, I'm above like the, you know, David's prayer to God. He's like, yo, what up, dog? Like, I'm just, I'm, because there are those. I love the NASB for what it's worth. So that's this translation. But I also want you to see the same verse in the New International Version, the NIV. So the NASB says that all scripture is inspired. On three, shout inspired. One, two, three. In the NIV, the Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed. So the inspiration of Scripture is because God breathed onto those that He anointed to write His Holy Word. And I'll unpack that here for a moment. But I'd love, if you feel comfortable, I'd love for you to read this verse with me. Come on, from start to finish. You ready? One, two, three. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Any Christian in the room ever fallen into one of those categories? You've been taught, you've been rebu rebuked, you've been corrected, or you've been trained. Come on, let me see your hand, right? That's what the Bible does. Okay, so this is foundational to the conversation. Now, we believe that the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, come on, right? That Bible was God-breathed, inspired by God, right? God didn't take a pen and write the words. God anointed man to write his holy word. Just like God doesn't come into my office or my study time and type out on my MacBook Air the sermons, I do pray, though, that God anoints me, that God breathes on me so that when I present the gospel to you, that it is inspired by God, that it's not my word, but it's his word. I wish I had 200 people to give me a good amen right there, right? You don't want my word, you want his word. All right, so let, let's, let's look at this. Some, some facts about Scripture. The Bible is a compendium of 66 books. Now, this word compendium simply means a collection. And you're wondering, well, why didn't you just say collection and you use compendium? That's easy. Because sometimes I like to use big words to show you I went to college. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I paid a lot of money for that degree, okay? C's get degrees, and I got one. So it's just a collection of 66 books. Now, a lot of times what you and I think is that the Bible is one big book, and, and obviously it is. But it's actually 66 individual books that are collected to make one book, the Bible. 39 of those books are found in the Old Testament. 27 of those books are found in the New Testament. Now, again, let's go back to some of the misconceptions about, well, you know, the Bible's boring and, you know, what's the purpose of reading it? Because one of the questions that was submitted in the survey was, tell us the Bible story we may not know. Well, I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I know one that you don't know, but I can tell you that there are some wild stories in the Old and New Testament. I mean, I think about how God anointed and equipped Noah to build a boat because God was about to flood the earth and destroy mankind. He gave him the architectural design of the boat. Noah built the boat. Come on now. Saved his family from, from the flood. And then also God instructed him and take every animal and put him on that boat two by two. Now, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Noah, man, why would you have to put those mosquitoes on that boat? Come on, can I get a witness from anybody? In the Old Testament, you have God who calls and anoints and equips a man named Moses who has a speech impediment. He stutters, and yet God is going to call him to go stand before the Egyptian ruler known as Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go from 400 years of bondage. And I want you to know this, hear me. I, we still stand for the children of Israel today. Hello? That's important. So Moses with a speech and I think that's good. Come on. So Moses with a speech impediment stands before Pharaoh and says, you know, 
let, let God's people go. God sends 10 plagues, get the attention of Pharaoh. Moses leads, you know, a million plus people out of bondage, Egyptian bondage. And watch this. They make their exodus. That's why you have the book, The Exodus. It's the story of the Exodus. They're going towards their promised land. They hit a roadblock. In front of them is the Red Sea. And watch this. God splits the sea. God from heaven opens up the waters, splits the sea so that the children of Israel can walk right through on dry ground. Are you serious? And then when Pharaoh, who changed his mind and is chasing after them, decides to go and attack and kill them, when they get to the same pathway that God first made, God closes up the mouth of the path and drowns all those jokers. Come on now. That's the Old Testament. You get to the New Testament. You start reading in the New Testament about the ministry and the miracles of Jesus. Blinded eyes are being opened. Deaf ears are being healed. One time there was a woman who lost her teenage child and they're, they're, they're on their way to the, uh, to the graveyard. They're having a funeral procession and, and, and the, the child is dead in the coffin, but Jesus interrupts the funeral procession. Come on. He lays his hand on the casket and he says, I say unto thee, arise. And the dead boy came back to life. Come on, somebody. Like, what? You get to read about Jesus who was buried and then resurrected to life about his inevitable soon return because Jesus is coming back. Yeah, 39 books in the old. I said I wouldn't preach, but I feel like preaching. Come on. 39 books in the old, 27 books in the New Testament, 1,189 chapters, 31,173 verses. If you take the math of all of that and you... Uh, add it all together and you divide it right in the middle, right in half. You know where your Bible opens up? Psalm 118, verse 8. You know at the very middle of your Bible, you take all of those verses and divide it in half, you land on Psalm 118, verse 8. Do you know what the Bible says right in the middle of the Word of God? Let me tell you what the Bible says in the middle of the Word because it's applicable to the middle of your mess, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your sickness, in the middle of your stress, in the middle of your problem. The Bible says it is better to put your confidence in God than to put your trust in man. What? In the middle of the book, God says, put your confidence in me because he has never let us down. Come on, somebody. Don't put your trust in man. 40 different authors. I mean, these guys were fishermen, government officials, shepherds, priests, tax collectors. You, you better know that it was God breathed when the IRS was able to write scripture. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> 40 different authors. They wrote the Bible over 1,500 years. Now, let's put this into perspective. In July, the United States of America will turn 245 years old. So over 1,500 years, 40 different authors were God-breathed, inspired by God to write God's holy word. And let me tell you about these. Most of them didn't know each other. They, they couldn't have over 1,500 years. They wrote from dungeons and deserts and palaces and prisons. And, and watch this. I think sometimes we don't even focus in on this reality. They didn't even know they were writing a Bible. It's not like they were like, hey, I've, I've been, you know, tapped on the shoulder to be a ghost writer for Scripture. They didn't know. They were just writing. Why? Because they were inspired by the Spirit of God. Come on, church. Over 1,500 years, the Bible was originally, well, let's see if that'll work again. There we go. The Bible was originally written in three languages. 
You have Hebrew, Aramaic, and then, of course, Greek. The Bible was written over three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. And now in 2021, you want to talk about the, the, the validity of the Bible, the relevancy of the Bible, if it's appropriate and applicable for today. Every single topic that we have politicized in our country, your Bible addresses, all of it. Now, listen to me. Race and the sin of racism, your Bible be talking about it. Gender and gender equality and, you know, man, woman, transgender, all that's in the book. It's black and white. Uh, the sanctity of marriage, immigration, money, the sanctity of life. So let me say this to you because this is important. I get questions like this all the time. So where does Go Church stand on fill in the blank? Well, I'm going to tell you. No, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you. We stand on the word. Come on, church. <laughs> stand on the word and it is a it is an absolute frustration of mine when people care more about the political position of a pastor than they do the theological position of a pastor listen to me look at me real quick everybody everybody online look at me now the camera adds 10 pounds well, look at me I'm not moving that needle though none go with me still I will follow I'm gonna stand on the authority of scripture on every single one of these topics. Can I get a good amen from somebody today? So the Bible is not just some great piece of literature. The Bible possesses a supernatural unity that ties all of it together. There is a symphonic harmony of writing. This is much more than coincidental. It's supernatural. And you need to know this. The Bible was written how God wanted it written, it was put together how God wanted it put together, and God has preserved it to stand the test of time. So God, God's word will always remain, because he's the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. And your Bible, from generation to generation, and, and unless Jesus, you know, tarries, it'll always stand. It'll always be true. Your Bible is the most read book in the history of the world, and it's the most stolen book in the history of the world. Steal that Bible. Go ahead. It's amazing to me that it was written exactly how God wanted it written. It was put together exactly how God wanted it put together. And God has preserved it to withstand the test of time. Now, some of you are wondering, well, how, how did we land on these 66 books? And this is a good question. It's a wonderful question because at Go Church, we have a lot of diversity. Diversity in race, diversity in age. But we also have diversity in faith upbringing, and I love that. Go Church is kind of like the golden corral. You just kind of get all you. Remember when buffets were a thing? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to a buffet now. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Some of you are like, I'm going to a buffet. <laughs> okay. So we have different faith upbringings, right? So some of you grew up in a Catholic church, and you have a Catholic Bible. So in the Catholic Bible, there are more than just the books of the canon of Scripture in the Christian Bible. You have the Apocrypha. So that's additional writings. You've got like First and Second Maccabees, for example. So people will ask, and one of the questions on the survey, why don't you ever teach from the book of Enoch? Well, that, again, I don't laugh at that. People are just curious. They're wanting to know. So I, I want to take you back a little bit, and then we'll move forward. But you've got to go back to AD 397. There was a council inspired by God that wanted to test the validity and the accuracy 
and uh, the overwhelming evidence that the literature that was written was God-breathed. Does that make sense? So they didn't want just good writing. They wanted God writing. Come on now. So this council got together, and they, they processed every writing through a filter, through an assessment, if you will. I don't have time to give you the whole assessment, partly because I don't know all the questions that they asked. But here's a few that I do know in order to filter all of the other great literature. Because they didn't want good stuff. They wanted God's stuff. And to give us the, authorita the authoritative word of God. The book had to have been written by a prophet or an apostle. If it wasn't discredited, and they moved on. The one that was writing had to be an eyewitness to the events or have recorded eyewitness testimony. They didn't want third, fourth party information. They wanted you to be an eyewitness or to have that recorded testimony. It, it maintained the integrity of the scripture. Ladies and gentlemen, this next one is huge, okay? By the way, everybody's good, right? Okay, watch this. Jesus, nor his disciples, if they, if they never made a reference to any of those other writings, discredited and they moved on. So some of the other writings that you find in the Apocrypha, which is part of the Catholic Bible, Jesus never referenced it. The disciples never referenced it. So they felt like good literature, good writing, but not God-breathed. Does that make sense? And to tie it all in, here's what it means. The writing had to be holy, not just helpful. Come on. It had to be holy writing, not just helpful writing. There's a lot of helpful writing out there. But in order for transformation, real transformation to happen, you need a holy word, a holy word. So all of that means this. Now let's get back into the Bible. Because the Bible is our evidence, right? In addition to history and all of that, watch this. 2 Peter 1, two verses here. And I'm going to read this from the Living Bible Translation. For no prophecy recorded in Scripture was ever thought up by the prophet himself. Wow. All right, on three, let's read the highlighted second verse. You ready? One, two, three. It was the Holy Spirit within these godly men who gave them true messages from God. I love that. On the day of Pentecost, we are reminded it's the Holy Spirit within these godly men. Now, recognize godly men is lowercase g because there's only one uppercase g. All right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So even in this, the understanding is that they are not God. But they were God-breathed and God-inspired. So write this thought down. You ready? I hope you're, you're, taking, you're taking notes, you're taking photos. I'll, I'll pose for you. Come on, somebody. We have the Bible that God wanted us to have so we can know exactly what God wanted us to know. We'll say it again. We have the Bible that God wanted us to have so we can know exactly what God wanted us to know. Two truths I want to talk about from this thought. Number one is this. Hear my heart, not just my words, okay? You ready? If this statement is true, that we have the Bible God wanted us to have so we can know exactly what God wanted us to know, that means you and I don't have the luxury to pick and choose the parts of the Bible we like and don't like. Nobody got up and left, so we're doing all right. The Bible is the final word, so you and I don't get to pick and choose. And I see this all the time. I'm not angry, but I'm passionate. Because there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end is destruction. You don't get to justify scripture so that you can get away with your sinful behavior. I don't know what this means, but I felt like doing it. Yeah, you don't get to pull out the parts of the Bible that, well, I like this, so I'm going to take this, but, but I don't like that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that. No, no, no. You are accountable, ladies and gentlemen. And one day we will stand before our Father in heaven, and you can't say, I didn't know you know. Woo! 
know. There is a, the, the, the purpose of all of this in Christianity is to be holy because God is holy. There is a standard. And the only way we know how to live up to that standard is to get into the word. Can I get a hundred people to help me preach? Come on. Well, I, I like this part, but that stings. Of course it stings. It is the gospel. Nobody likes pills. But you better take that pill because medicine may not taste well, but it's helpful to the soul. That is so good. Pastor, that is good. Thank you. I'm going to give you an offering. You should. You know, the first part is you don't get to pick and choose. That's, can I say, are we okay? That's called immaturity. Okay. Now, that's about you and me. Now, let me just talk about me because if you give me the honor. And it is to be your pastor, to be a spiritual influence in your life, to be your spiritual tour guide. I've said that before. You give me that honor, then if this is true, it also means that it's not my job to protect you from the Bible. That that's not my job to protect you from Scripture because I'm worried how you might feel. Now, I can't talk about any other church because I'm only responsible for Go Church. But I, I refuse to fall into trendy preaching. And all, all of that, I'm going to give you what the Lord said to give. Thus saith the Lord. You're going to get that. Okay, like 11 of you are clapping. I'm good. That's all right. You ain't got to encourage me. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I don't know what you're looking for in a church. And I say this often. I, I can't do anything about preference. I can't, I can't do anything about preference because if it's too loud, it's not loud enough, it's too hot, it's not hot enough, it's too dark, and you don't sing the songs. I can't do anything about preference, but if you're looking for a church that preaches the Bible, then you found one. You found one. Well, I'm going to preach the word. And watch this. Here's what we know. The Bible is what? Oh, it's alive. It's a spiritual organism. That's why when you walk by it and you haven't read it in a while, it's like, you know, that Bible is alive, man. I walk by. I'm like, oh, okay, let me get back to that one. It's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges, oh, Lord, the thoughts and, oh, Lord, the attitudes of your heart. Man. Now, I'm going to give you a statement here, and I know this by my own experience from Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. When you read the Bible, it's actually reading you. No other religious text does that. Has that ever happened? You're in a situation, you're in a bind, you're in a moment, stressed out, worried, anxious, sick, problems, issues, money, you name it. And all of a sudden, the Word is reading you. You pick up that Bible and God is speaking to you. In a supernatural way. That's why I, I'm never shocked when people say, oh, Pastor, you were talking right to me today. Because yeah, that's the Spirit of God. That's the Word of God that is alive and active. And I can't tell you how many times. Let me see how much time I got. I got a few minutes. I can't tell you how many times somebody said, you know, when you said, I'm like, I never said that. Like, you remember when you said, and I'm, I'm thinking, I didn't say that. Because God's Word is alive. And as a matter of fact, right now, think of this. You are hearing what God wants you to hear. When you read the Bible, the Bible is reading you. 
Now, I, I, would, I just want you to read the Bible, but I would caution you to the, okay, well, I need a word. I'm going to open up the Bible and just point, and that's where it is. A guy did that one time. He opened up his Bible and moved his finger, landed on a verse, and it said, Judas Iscariot went and hanged himself. <laughs> so he's like, I don't like that. So he flipped through, pointed down. He's like, now go and do likewise. <laughs> you better be careful. <laughs> you better be careful. All right, let me give you this. A few more minutes here. Why? Why the Bible over other religious texts? A lot of other texts out there. I've read a pretty good chunk of the Quran um, and some other literature. So I'm going to give you some reasons that I believe in the Bible personally, but also why we preach and teach from the Bible here at Go Church. And listen to me. I'll give you stories. I'll give you humor. I'll give you thoughts to consider. But I'm not preaching anything but the Word of God. As a matter of fact, listen to me. Lean in for a second. The moment I stop preaching the word of God, y'all get me up out of here. Okay? Now I'm going to be here for a long time. Come on, somebody. Here's some reasons that we choose the Bible over other religious texts. Because the Bible is the only religious text that contains and highlights the story of someone who predicted his own death and resurrection. How many of you, by show of hands, at any of our campuses, you've been to the Holy Land before? You visited the tomb where Jesus, he ain't there! Come on now. How about this one? The reason we choose the Bible is because the Bible is the only religious text in which God loves everyone equally. Does not care if you're a man, woman, rich, poor, short, tall? Come on, every vertically challenged person should have said amen right there. Red, yellow, black, white, Republican, Democrat. God loves you, and he loves us equally. Why? Because he made you on purpose and for purpose. You are his sons. You are his daughter. You are the apple of his eye. How do I know he loves you? Because he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Tell me another God. Well, I'll get there in a minute. Another reason is because the Bible doesn't support racism. And neither do we. I'm not standing for that nonsense. Of any kind. The Bible doesn't stand for favoritism. The Bible contains another reason. Over 600 prophecies about Jesus' birth, his life, and his death, and watch this, they've all come true. They've all come true. There is only one prophecy that you'll read in the Bible that is yet to be fulfilled. And I say yet, because in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, heaven will open and Jesus will return. And it's the return of our Savior. And it's soon and very soon. Come on. I love this one. You got time for a few more? All right, I love this one. There has never been one archaeological discovery that has been able to discredit or disprove the validity of the Bible. Not one. So be careful with those emails that your mama sends you as forwards. Come on, somebody. All the Facebook posts from these, some of y'all laugh. You're like, how'd you know my mama did me? All these Facebook posts about, you know, news channel says dot, 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 dot. The more they dig, the more they discover. Now, they are looking for additional evidence, but thousands and thousands of pieces of evidence have proved the validity of Scripture. They've not found one piece that can say your Bible is not real, that your Bible is not accurate. Isn't that powerful? And then if none of those impressed you at all, then you need to know this. The Bible is the only scripture, or the only religious text, rather, that teaches about the free gift of salvation. Every other religion, every other faith, every other religious text tells you how you have to work for your salvation, how you have to earn your salvation. How you have to, and this, we see it all the time, but how you have to 
load up in an airplane and fly into buildings. Uh, you have to strap on devices and kill innocent people to earn your right into some heaven with ten virgins. Come on. Only the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob says, you can't do anything to get you free, but I'll do it all. I'll do it all. Listen to me for a moment. we got a few more minutes. The bondage that you're in today, the stronghold that has attached itself to you today, you can be rescued. You can be delivered. How do you know that? Here I am. It's me. This is my life. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but, but now I can see. Well, what'd you do to get there? Nothing. I didn't pay anybody a thing. I didn't sign on some membership contract. I didn't, I didn't have to have a subscription. All I had to do was watch, believe. Believe in my heart, confess my sins. It's Ephesians 2, 8 that says this. Let's read this together. One, two, three. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is what? Not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. This, ladies and gentlemen, this is the difference right here. This is the difference. Every other faith, every other religion, every other text, religious text, you have to do something. You have to work for something. You have to earn something. Not with Jesus. Not with God. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I don't know why this feels like a good place to pause and give thanks to God for salvation, for grace, for mercy. Come on, 10 seconds. Come on, clap a little bit like you're thankful. Come on. If you've been saved and you've been set free, come on. Thank God for his love for you. Come on, church. Five more seconds. Come on. I once was lost. Come on, but I'm found today. Hallelujah. All right, let's go back to the original verse here. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture inspired by God, beneficial for what? Teaching, rebuke, correction, and training in righteousness. Let me give you this thought then, okay? So God, if you look at this verse, then we learn why God gave us the Bible. From this verse, God gave us the Bible to teach us what is true. He didn't give you the Bible to teach you what's popular, to teach you what's true. There's a lot of confusion going on in this world. I don't have to fill in the blank, you know. A lot of confusion going on. So he gave us his word to teach us what is true because it's, because it's truth that sets us free. And then we get his word to correct us when we are wrong. And I don't know who needs to hear this. Maybe it's me, so I'll just say it for me. But if this helps you, then there you go. But sometimes you are wrong. There are times I am wrong. So the Bible corrects us when it can't always be everybody else's fault. You can't always point the finger at everybody. Come on, let's go back to elementary. You point the finger at one, you got all these pointing right back at you. Okay? And then to train us to do what is right. We've talked a lot about the spiritual disciplines in week one of Ask Away. Training is not easy, but God gives us his word to teach, correct, and to train. I'm going to show you a video. And then one small illustration, and you'll be on your way to that buffet that you just can't wait to get to. At the You Go Girl conference a few weeks ago, my wife showed a video to the ladies that she presented to me a few weeks prior. Uh, we were laying in bed together. She was talking about the women's conference that was coming up. She was like, you know, she calls me Jake. She's like, Jake, you got to see this video. And so she put the video on, and for two minutes and 27 seconds, we just, we cried. 
who wept. It's a, a group of indigenous people that are receiving a Bible for the very first time. And the emotion and the joy and the freedom on their faces and the expression of their heart, it's incredibly powerful. And I'm not showing you the video to bring judgment to you, but I want you to see that there is power in the Word of God, that the Word of God is alive and active, and it will change your life just like it's changed mine. Watch this video. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We live in a dark world. We live in a confusing world. Trying times, stressful times, lots of pain, lots of hurt. The thing about a lamp is that a lamp like this one will only illuminate a particular circumference of size. So this lamp only shows me a few opportunities of what steps I can take in front of me. This is why when it comes to the Bible, you gotta keep reading every day 
Oh, I thank you, Jesus. Because every day you have to say, okay, Lord, lead me today. Guide me today. Man, help me today. Give me hope for today. Use me today. You gotta keep reading. For those of you that are skeptical, if you read about the God of the Bible, eventually you'll know the God of the Bible. For those of you that are in a situation, come on, take advantage of the power that's available to you and say, lead me, guide me, show me, use me, help me, bless me. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Life is hard, you don't have to make it any harder. I'm overwhelmed with emotion because It was the word of the Lord that came to me at 13 years old when my dad died from a heart attack. And I never, and I never got to tell him I love you one last time or goodbye. So at 13, uh, in the prime of adolescence, I sat on a swing on the back porch of our apartment <laughs> and this light came on <laughs> and I heard a voice from heaven. It was the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy 29, 29. For the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to you and your children forever. I'll never forget it. I'm overwhelmed with emotion because it was the word of the Lord that found me in my deepest, darkest place. When not only did I not believe in God, but I didn't even believe in me. And the word of the Lord met me in September of 1999 and said, JC, for I've called you for such a time as this. I have anointed you. And up from that slimy pit, God raised me up to new life. His word was a lamp. I'm overwhelmed with emotion because you see the glory, but you don't know the story. The first year of our marriage, I lay dying in a hospital room in Tampa General Hospital. The doctors didn't know what was happening, but my body was eating itself away from the inside out. I had turned jaundice and lost tons of weight, and the doctors were uncertain of my outcome. But in that moment, God reached his hand of healing down into that hospital room. He raised me up, come on. And he healed my body, and he turned my life around. God, forgive me, forgive me reading your word just for some religious to-do list. Forgive me for choosing Netflix. Forgive me for going to Facebook when I could go to your book. Forgive me for reading the Bible to get a sermon together sometimes. I want to be thirsty. I want to be hungry. Can I get five people to respond? Come on. 
I know we've got an online campus and another campus, but I feel this song. Come on, Micah. Let's take us there for a moment. It's an old one, but man, I have felt this stirring in my spirit all week. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Thank you, Jesus. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Come on, all locations, stand to your feet. Come on. Oh, thy word. Don't leave is just yet. Come on, three minutes in this God moment. Come on. And a light unto Come on, my if you path. can, if you feel comfortable, lift your hands. Come on. Thank you. Oh, thy, oh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oh, thy word. Oh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Come on, all locations. Come on, let's worship. Come on. Oh, when I am afraid and I think I've lost my way, still you're there right beside me. Nothing will I fear, and I know that you are near. So please be with me to the end. Come on, just worship. Oh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, come on, let's give them some praise. Come on. I love you, Jesus. So here's a closing challenge. Come on, both campuses, stay standing. Come on, watch this. Start reading today. For those of you who are new to the faith, start reading. For those of you who are Seasoned in the faith, keep reading. For those of you that are skeptical, I dare you to read it. So maybe you need to change your routine. Get up 20 minutes earlier than you've been getting up. Or stop binge watching Netflix and Hulu at night. You'll never chance your way into a better future. You can only change your way. So change something. Get the right translation. Come on, we talked about that earlier. Pick one that fits right for you in this season. As you grow, that will grow. If you don't have a Bible, it would be the highlight of my life to buy you a Bible. But if you want to use that digital version, download version, or go to our Go Church app, we got a great Bible reading opportunity there. And then I challenge you to soap the word. Soap stands for this, scripture, observation, application, prayer. Grab you a journal every day, write down the scripture. I'm reading this scripture today. Then under O, this is what I observed from that scripture that I just read. A. This is how I apply what I just observed from the scripture that I just read. And then P is just, this is the prayer. This is, this is the prayer. All right, so here's the closing question. You got 12 minutes? You got 12 minutes every day to read the Bible? It's rhetorical, but you do. Why 12 minutes, Pastor JC? Because if you read the Bible every day for 12 minutes, in one year, you'll read the whole thing. And at the end of that year, I guarantee through the authority in the name of Jesus, according to his holy word, your life will be different. Come on and give Jesus one more praise. Come on.